text for this morning's sermon is Leviticus 16, verses 21 and 22. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote place, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness." Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, do you suffer from guilt feelings? Are there sins that you've committed in the past that you still carry around as a heavy burden today? It's not uncommon for people to carry guilt with them for years. Sometimes it's because of sexual sins or because our words and actions have contributed to the breakdown of a relationship with a family member or friend or because we blame ourselves for the waywardness of our children, feeling we didn't do a good enough job raising them. Feelings of guilt are common. Times in our lives we're all faced with such feelings. So where do these feelings come from? Is it good to feel guilt? Or is that a sinful emotion? Feelings of guilt arise because of our conscience. Our conscience is a self-observing, self-judging capacity that enables us to judge our actions, words, thoughts, and feelings. It's like an inner voice that speaks up telling us the difference between what is right and wrong. It can warn us not to do something we are considering because we know it is wrong. It can also accuse us when we've done something wrong giving us an uncomfortable, an anxious, a guilty feeling. At times, our conscience can serve us very well. It can serve as an early warning device, cautioning us not to do something that we know is wrong. It can help us to know our sins so that we repent of them and that we find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. But our conscience is not an infallible guide. Sometimes people have an oversensitive conscience and they end up feeling guilty about all kinds of things that are not wrong. At times our conscience can be used by the devil to attack us, to cause us all kinds of insecurity and doubt, to paralyze our service of God. So how are we to deal with our guilt? Is there any way to be set free of it? What are we to do with guilty feelings about things that have gone wrong in our lives? Is there a way of overcoming our guilt, of being assured that our sins are truly forgiven in Jesus Christ? There certainly is. This morning we'll focus our attention on the rituals involved in the Day of Atonement, which Israel celebrated once per year. I'm going to pay particular attention to the function of the scapegoat. I preach to you the word of God under the following theme. As our scapegoat, 
Christ bore our sins, taking on the punishment we deserved. We'll see how Christ as scapegoat bore our sins and how our sins are totally removed from us. Once per year, God's people celebrated the Day of Atonement. It was a special festival in Israel. Unlike the pilgrim feast, the people were not required to gather at the temple. Yet they were required to treat this day as a Sabbath day, to rest from their work. This is also the only day of the year on which God's people were commanded to fast. The Day of Atonement was a special day in Israel. For on it, the high priest would enter the holy place to make atonement for the sins of the people. The Day of Atonement had a special symbolism. On this day, two goats were set apart for the Lord. Aaron was to cast lots over the two goats. The one was chosen as an offering to the Lord, and the other was chosen as the scapegoat. The first goat was offered as a sin offering. Its blood was sprinkled over the mercy seat and in the holy place behind the veil. This was to make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel, because of their transgressions, all their sins. Thus, through this goat, atonement was made for Israel's sins. The second goat was used in a special ceremony. This goat was presented before the Lord. Aaron laid both his hands on the live goat's head. And then he would confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel, all their transgressions, all their sins. Aaron put them on the head of the goat and then sent it away to the wilderness. A man was ready to take the goat away. The goat then bore all the iniquities of the people to a remote area. It was let go to die in the wilderness. The ceremony with the two goats was meant to symbolize God's grace to his people Israel. The first goat served as an offering for their sins. Through its blood, atonement was made for the people's sins. The offering of this goat's blood served to remind the Israelites that sin requires payment. God is offended by our sins. Because of our sins, we come under his judgment. Yet God was gracious. He allowed a substitute to take the place of his people. He did not require their death. A goat was slain in their place to pay for their sins. The second goat served in a slightly different way. All the iniquities and transgressions of the people were confessed over the head of this goat. Aaron the high priest put his hands on the head of the goat to symbolize the transfer of guilt from the people to this animal. This sin-laden goat was then banished from the camp. It was led far into the wilderness. Nothing unholy or unclean was allowed to remain in the camp. For that's where God lived with his people. And thus the sending away of this scapegoat served as a picture to show the people how completely God removed their sins from them. 
Jesus Christ is the complete atonement for our sins. In many ways, the ceremonies performed on the Day of Atonement point to him. Jesus is the great high priest. At the same time, he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came in fulfillment to the first goat that was offered as a sin offering. Hebrews 9 shows how Christ came in fulfillment of all the sacrifices of bulls and lambs and goats. Hebrews 9.28 says that Christ has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yet Jesus also came in fulfillment of the scapegoat. Our sins were laid on him, and Christ bore them just as the scapegoat did. Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, 7 speaks of him being led away as a lamb to the slaughter. Verse 8 says that he was taken away, that he was cut out of the land of the living. This happened to the Lord Jesus. He was not killed within the city limits of Jerusalem. He was crucified outside of the city. The author of Hebrews makes a point to this in chapter 13, verse 12. It says that Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. He was cut off from the people of God. He was cast out. For anyone bearing sins could not remain in the place where God lived. Jesus' separation from God was also symbolized by the manner of his death. He was crucified, a symbol of being cursed by God. So we see how as scapegoat, Christ bore our sins. Brings us to our second point, and we'll see how our sins are totally removed from us. The Old Testament rituals associated with the Day of Atonement are so very rich. They foreshadowed the ultimate atonement that only Christ provides. We don't have to offer animals as sacrifices to cover our sins. And we don't need to transfer our sins onto a scapegoat to have them carried away. Jesus has been sacrificed and scapegoated for us. Our sins have been atoned for They have been removed. Hebrews 10 tells us that these ceremonies were only a shadow of the good things to come, that we've been made holy through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ once for all. Yeah, beloved, we're not always fully convinced that our sins are paid for and that our guilt has been truly removed. And that's why we need to take special note of how the scapegoat functioned. The sins of the people were confessed on its head. Then it was sent away far into the wilderness. 
Just as the scapegoat took guilt of the people's sins and removed it from them, so Jesus Christ cleanses us from our sins and our guilt. The Bible speaks about this. It uses vivid images to show how completely God forgives our sins and removes our guilt. Psalm 103 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. In Micah 7.18, the prophet asks, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He speaks of how God does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. Micah says he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Beloved, if you're truly sorry for your sins, God will not hold them against you. And if God has forgiven your sins, you don't need to feel guilty about them. The blood of Jesus Christ has atoned for them. They have been paid for. The slate has been wiped clean. Hebrews 9 talks about how the sacrifices of the Old Covenant were not able to clear the conscience of those who offered them. And in contrast, the blood of Christ is able to purify our conscience to serve a living God. We don't need to walk around with a guilt complex about past sins. Leave them at the cross. Be free of them forever. This morning we can celebrate the Lord's Supper together to witness the breaking of bread and the pouring of wine as symbols of Christ's body and blood. To eat the body and drink the blood of Christ in remembrance for all he has done for us. That Christ suffered and died on the cross to pay for all our sins. That he bore the wrath of God to take the curse from us so that we could live under God's blessing. Our sins are covered. Our guilt has been taken away. And so we may celebrate with joy. For Christ has restored us to communion with God. He grants us freedom and life. Now and forevermore. Amen. In response to the gospel message, let's rise and sing from hymn 25, stanzas 1 and 3.